Welcome to this episode of Through the Educational Looking Glass. I am one of your hosts, Courtney Edelman. And I'm your other host, Don Sturm. We're both in coaching roles in Morton Unit School District 709 in Central Illinois. Thanks for joining us as we try to gain clarity on the variety of topics concerning teachers today. Let's take a closer look at today's topic. Today's topic is looking at sketchnoting with the hosts of Doodle and Chat. So we have some special guests today. Yes, it's so awesome. I uh, I love, um, we have Carrie Bauckham and Dr. Mandy Tolan um, with us. And um, yeah, for those people who are listeners who don't know what, well, you know what? Why don't you two introduce yourselves? Like we're really here to talk about the big concept of sketch noting, but you cannot talk, not talk about, I don't know if I said that right. You cannot not talk about, Double like negatives. Me. There we go. Whatever. <laughs> you have to talk about doodle and chat um, if you are talking about sketch noting. So if you two would like to introduce yourself, I don't know if you're going to fight over who starts or... Mandy can start. Well, I'm Mandy Tolan. I'm a high school math teacher, um, and I love to sketch note. Actually, how I met Carrie to begin with was through sketch noting. So I made her my friend through a session that we were sketch noting in. I just walked up to her and said, hi, I'm Mandy. Let's be friends. I love that. (laughs) And I'm Carrie Bauckham. I'm a 6th, 7th, and 8th grade teacher of students who receive supports and services through their individual education plans in Illinois. Okay. And I'm also (laughs) other things as well. Um, I'm also the co-host of Doodle and Chat, which is a weekly uh, YouTube live series or episode that we do. Um, We do a variety of different activities from the first of the month. We do our live... um, we live doodle and talk and chat all about our, um, the activity from our monthly newsletter that we put out. And then twice a month, we, um, we, we have an episode called Doodle and Chat with Friends, where we invite educators on to come with us. And we have very special questions that are written just for them. We do lots of really good research, as well as some special questions as well. And we doodle and chat all about what they're sharing. And it's just we just really, really love it so much. Yeah, uh, and I have had the opportunity you to have. be on, and it was actually I did it at ISTE. Yes. Uh, went and joined. Uh, Carrie was virtual. Sorry, back here in Illinois. I was. I'm assuming, and Mandy was there, and I got the wrong hotel. Well, that I, was partly my fault. Was, and so. then all of a sudden, <laughs> show up, and here we are sketching in the thing. It's just it, it is a blast, and and we've talked about that idea of um, sometimes drawing is intimidating and i'm one that i like to try a bunch of new things but boy i have it's really and and our friendship you've kind of gotten me out of my shell um when it comes to that so um as we dive into this episode um we really are focused on teachers who are pre-k to 12 in our district um so how does the sketch noting process work like across grade levels um is there an age can you be too young to sketch note. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to start and then yes. you can do the half and half? Yes. Okay. So when you, there's no there's no age that's too young or too old to sketch note. I, I like to say that um, from like pre K all the way up to third grade, they are actually sketch noting every day. They're drawing in pictures and connecting pictures with images and words is how they best communicate. Somewhere in third grade, fourth grade, the content becomes more literature based driven and more um, words driven and the the use of drawings to communicate or to access learning or to connect with learning starts to fade and so as we get past third grade it's those educators 
I think their role is to continue to harness that skill of visualizing our thinking, connecting with words the way students did when they were little, and really continue to um, encourage them and, and um, give them back words about their, their process and their, their drawings and that they continue to connect with that so that it's never lost. And then as they get into middle school, it's the same thing, just really continuing to harness that visual thinking. What are you imagining when you're hearing that information? Mm -hmm learning to connect with it as they get older in different ways and really um, activating that metacognition of thinking about our thinking and really um, rewarding students for thinking differently and that it's okay that we all connect with information in different ways and talking about that and then also adding those doodles so we're always anchoring our learning into this, this visual muscle that we have that is just an incredible asset for teachers to use when they're teaching as well as for students to do with their learning and then in high school so in high school, um, what you get into is kids become a little bit more self-conscious about the actual drawings themselves. And so it's important in the high school area to say it doesn't matter what it looks like, it matters the information that you're connecting it to, and even kind of modeling that it can not look the best and show them some vulner vulnerability on your part so that they are willing to take that risk and try. Because once you show them how much information they can recall, once they establish um, a, an image with the text, then they realize how powerful it is. But they have to kind of get over their own fear of drawing in order to do that because something happens as they progress that by the time they get to high school, they really say, I can't do this because I can't draw. So we have to show them that they can. Yeah, no, I, I think that's great. And think you took it from, is there a too young, but you seem to have more stumbling blocks sometimes as, as students get older. Yeah, the more it starts to become art, the harder it is to get people to draw. Um, it's just there's that, there's that fear of being judged. And as, and as long as we um, allow students to be risk takers, and uh, th then we're always going to welcome them to do that with us. Can you talk about some specific uses of sketchnoting and doodling in each of your classroom settings? How do you apply that? So teaching math, I mean, it's actually very visual. And people are always like, oh, well, you can't do this in the math classroom. Like, we do this in the math classroom every single day. So there's always some sort of image that goes with what we're doing. Um, we also teach students that color, like underlining, circling, using color to anchor things. That's also a form of sketch noting. And so it doesn't just have to be a picture that you draw. It can be you know, colors that you add to it to emphasize something. It can be a box that you put around something to draw your attention to it later. And so we do it all the time in the math classroom. Um, I even have students, like right before a test, they will go to the board, will work some problems out, and they'll say, okay, either write a message or draw a picture to kind of get you this test. And they I leave it on that. the whiteboard. So. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Do positive affirmations. That's yes. awesome. I love that. And then I use um, sketchnoting almost daily in my classroom. There's, um, there's ELA, which seems like a natural fit for, for sketchnoting. My favorite way to, um, to use it in that class is we um, do a lot of, use a lot of consumable materials and doodles in the margin. So reading a paragraph, reading a section, what image comes to your head, what movie's playing, and then drawing, that, drawing a doodle next to that paragraph. And then when, the next day when you come back to that paragraph or you, students need to remember what they've read so that they can write that image is right there instead mm -hmm. of having to reread that entire paragraph or page they have that single image like oh my gosh of course that's about this thing and then I also love to use it in social studies um, we do a lot of um, video based teaching in social studies because a lot of the students that I work with have reading difficulties and so to make sure that it's okay. completely accessible we watch a lot of videos that go along with social studies and I love post-its 
So we'll watch clips of videos, 30 seconds to a minute. It takes some time for students to build up endurance in order to, to watch extended clips. So start small. What's new, what's interesting, or what do you think is important, or what makes you feel something? And then they write the words on a post-it. And then we'll take the post-its and put it on a big piece of butcher paper, sometimes together as a class and sometimes as individuals. And they start to organize them and how they are either like similar. And it's really fun to do as a class so they can see those conversations with kids. So we'll often also anchor things on the um, butcher paper, which are common things that we know that we want the notes to be organized in. So like what characters, what's the setting, um, where is it, which is the setting, um, what are the actions, what problem do they face, and that also can facilitate conversations between students. Like, I think this belongs there, and Mandy say, no, I don't. And, and so they put the post notes around it, and then we put the butcher paper in the hallway on the floor, or if I have a big table, and all the students spend probably a good period and a period and a half talking to each other about the post-it notes and taking time to draw and bumping elbows and just having a really good conversation about all the stuff that they've done. And then we use sketch notes almost always in my classroom after we're done learning um, to help them support their, their writing because then, it, then coming up with original ideas doesn't have to happen all the time. They can go up to the sketch note, they can look at it, they can see how it's organized and it helps them fill in those gaps and it's really good. Um, uh, yeah, it's really good at scaffolding things for students that need it. Well, and the the next question I was going to ask, you kind of touched on it. It's that idea of, I mean, I, and we'll probably maybe we'll link my doodle in chat in the show description. Oh, it it is a blast, and I can't describe. It's hard to describe because it's pair, it's conversation. So they they call it the bowl that knows. We do. Um, and it is slips of paper. And so there's this nervousness on the person who is the guest because they don't know what question they're going to get. Because the whole time then I was like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to have to draw? What am I going to have to draw? But it it your guard is down then. So I guess maybe I almost kind of answered the question. Like, what's that benefit of pairing that conversation? And then what you touched on is... Do you carry that into the classroom? Is that an important part to carry through to the classroom? It's a really good question. It is a really good question. <laughs> I um, think, oh, Courtney came up with that one. Oh, yeah. good job, Courtney. <laughs> Thanks. So we actually talked about this a little bit in our session today. There's a lot of ways that you can use just the Doodle and, and Chat platform that we have to take it into the classroom. It's a great way to get to know your students or have students get to know you. It's a great way um, to have students start that conversation like Carrie was talking about. And so you take that bowl that knows and put in some fun questions because you always want to have the fun questions along with even if they're content specific questions or like today we had people make up their own questions and we just pulled those from the bowl. But anytime you have something like that, it's like you said, they're more willing to share through the conversations. And we've seen that with all of our guests. We've seen it with students in our class. We saw it today in that session that nobody knew what was coming out of that bowl. And because of that, they were more willing to share and they were more willing to doodle. Like I think everybody in our room today, and I always have it in my class, they'll be like, this is gonna be bad. I'm like, go ahead and try, it's okay. And they do yeah, because everybody's in the same position that they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you can always pair up a more um, writing friendly student with a, a student that's more doodle friendly and oh. you can offset those and scaffold that too. It's also really important and Mandy and I do it in our sessions too is that we draw with our students so yep. whatever at least especially at first you know to create that risk friendly environment so that they can see you fail they can see you mess up they can hear you work through that process right 
but then it just offers an, a really amazing experience that makes your set your classroom a really warm and inviting place. And I also think that we thought about this a lot during our even our session today. I think the bowl kind of adds that game element, right? So like mm -hmm. when you play a game and you lose your turn, kids that you would think would have a, a have a big reaction to losing their turn don't when you're playing games because the rules say that you don't do that. And I think what we've created with the bowl, mostly by accident, is this just these moments or this experience where we know it's going to be surprising and usually that should give us a lot of anxiety, but instead it's really fun mm -hmm. and it's meaningful and it's important. And it's also just, yeah. I, I, the, I'm just thinking of the laughter. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's just fun. And then I, you know, you mentioned the, you, you use the word failing, which I, I don't know. It's not really failing, but I, I know what you mean. But I had said, I don't even know if Courtney knows this about me. I was a huge elf fan oh, and I didn't. elf collector of stuff you should have seen <laughs> i'm gonna just say the non-elf <laughs> image that was drawn and that it was just fun nobody felt well i don't know i don't you didn't seem self-conscious I, I try not to it's it, i will tell you that in my body there's always a cringe when i don't get something right but you you learn to work through it a little bit more yeah. maybe that's also a special thing that we have sure yeah well, and I love just, I appreciate the, the collaborative nature that because I think we might view sketchnoting, you're in your own world with your own designs and it could be, you know, a little bit isolating, but there's so many ways that that, that makes it, you make it a social um, thing within your classroom. Mm -hmm. So I love that. Um, if there are teachers who want to start sketchnoting with their students today, what are your must do's? Do you take that one? A pick up a pencil, <laughs> grab a piece of paper with them okay, and start drawing read some content, do a math problem, read a social studies paragraph, what image is in your head, what movie's playing in your head, and put the pencil to paper. And if you mess up, say you messed up out loud and say, oh my gosh, that's terrible, and scribble it out and, keep go and just keep going until you go on the journey together with your students. It's only going to be, it's going to be more rewarding than you could possibly imagine. What, I, what am, oh, well, no, go ahead. I'm just going to add, um, and I make sure I tell my students this is not art. This is us processing information, and okay. so it looks how it looks, but when you go back to it, you're going to remember what you put on this paper, and it's going to help you. And so as long as they understand that we're not creating art, we're creating learning, and then that's the difference. Does it take a while for buy-in? And, yeah, and how, how often, you know, I think, and Don, you, you say this a lot, and I think there's a lot of truth to it, sometimes when we try something new in the classroom, our expectations for it to catch like wildfire and take off right away aren't realized. And then maybe we yeah. say, oh, well, and we go back to, to the old way. Yeah. How much time do I give it? How many, you know, how many attempts? Do you have any advice along those lines? So for my students and being in high school, I think maybe they're going to catch on to this a little, a little bit faster. Um, what I will do is I will pull up words to, let's say, um, some theorem or something and I'm like do you guys remember this and they're like yeah kind of and then I'll pull up the picture and I'm like do you remember this and they'll say yes because when you connect that image to it and so they see that just a couple of times and they realize the power of that image that's going with the words yeah yeah I do remember bringing sketch noting into my classroom for the very first time and um, I told the kids that I had this great new idea that I wanted to share with them because I couldn't ignore it any longer and I needed to bring it in my classroom. And I remember reading that first paragraph and say, okay, so what movie is playing in your head? And there was nothing. And so I would go, oh, I imagine this. And I drew it on my, on my board and then they copied it on their paper. And that went on for like six weeks. 
And um, until finally one student, I walked over to him to walk over to see what he had drawn, which had for six weeks been the same thing that I had drawn on the board next on their paper, to have him lift up his hand and show me, and I call it the going rogue moment. And so what I realized in that six-week time was that my students needed time, they needed words, and they needed experience to gain that um, ability to, to risk to risk or to go on for the next thing or to draw the thing that was not the thing on the board. And so I think words, time, and experience is something we can give with anything new. Um, it just helps build that. It, it helps, you know, um, close the gap a little bit. But I will say, um, since that first time eight years ago, working with those students in the classroom, the students that I meet now are significantly bigger risk takers than the students I worked with then. And we need to tap into that and we need to honor that. They're, they're ready to go beyond. Um, so as educators, we, we need to not hold them back. So it, I mean, it pays dividends in other areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. So, well, before we close out, I know you are on a little bit of a, a time crunch. Anything that you want to add, advice, anything like that? Well, one thing I actually learned this from Carrie um, so a, a lot of times students won't, they, they won't see the picture in their head, like especially if you're l- looking at a word maybe that they haven't seen before, or they just never thought about what that looks like. And so Carrie will say, talk to a friend, what do they see? Or even go like find a picture, find an icon, like what image do you see? And sometimes Carrie, to get them started, will even give them icons that they can use instead of just coming up with that image on their own. Well, because I've seen the ones like all you need are is a circle, mm-hmm. a triangle, a okay. squiggly line. Mm-hmm. And you're, I mean, that's a, is that a, a decent strategy? It, it's a good strategy. Uh, students, it, it'll depend. I like, I always imagine sketchnoting um, as like a warehouse, right? And so students that draw a lot, their warehouse is full mm-hmm. of images they know how to draw. And kids that don't, they, ha- they know how to draw the square, the triangle, and the, the cloud, and the, the visual um, alphabet that they call it. But you need to show them how they go together so they can put them together on their shelves and easily access them. So there's lots of different ways that you can draw. I mean, even just putting a talk bubble around words is still doing something. Mm-hmm. So you can have, like, anchoring libraries that students could re- reference as they're doing math or reading. And, like, they could do a word, and then they could do a big, you know, a big shout-out symbol around it because that's an important one. Or they could do a talk bubble because that was that or put a heart next to it because they loved it. So you could come up with a, with a, um, a key Mm-hmm. of the basic icons that students could use to put next to information as they read or as oh, they do like something. That. What a great stepping yeah, stone into the idea. process. And then you can take it a step further and color code it. So now you've got color coded anchoring with, you know, with the key. So there's lots of different ways to start really small and still have a big impact. Oh, as a former geography teacher, the whole idea of a key. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, oh, He's that is just so over. awesome. So, well, listen, thank you, Carrie. Thank you, Mandy, for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. I know that you have been busy doodling and um, you're headed back there. So thanks so much for sharing your talent and your approaches. Yeah. Yeah. As usual, we like to leave you with some reflection questions from this episode. And so I'll start. Uh, The first question is, what value could sketchnoting add to your classroom? And secondly, how could you help your students to move beyond potential barriers related to sketchnoting to fully engage in the practice? We have enjoyed taking this journey with you through the educational looking glass. 